This is the journey of life with Anjana Narayan, produced by Make Dreams Grow Co. Niv, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the journey of life. Um, and Niv, the the reason why this is such a critical moment for us to have this discussion is that you know through the pandemic we realize that we are going through quite an unsettled, uncertain time for many people. And really, in many ways, the pandemic has reset the pace of the world. Uh, the world that we lived in in the past, with the structure that we had, the normality, the predictability of uh, of what we perceived as predictability, you know, uh, that certainly has been reset. And and um, so, so this is a very critical time for us to re-examine where we've been, where we're going, um, and certainly understand that we cannot cling on to our old way of life that something needs to be happening here and we need to be learning as humankind from the experience that we're going through. So, so um, let me ask you, um, what do you think about the current state of affairs uh, and how do you relate it to your own journey? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, we are living in uh, unprecedented times. You know, we've seen... Uh, I don't think in our lifetime, you know, we've encountered a time like this. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a few things that are striking to me, you know, from how I'm seeing things that certainly the impact uh, the pandemic's having globally on uh, just how each one of us is feeling, right? Uh, it started what in uh, sort of the uh, March timeframe, roughly earlier in China, but uh, globally, let's see in the March timeframe. So it's been several months and uh, we don't see an end in sight. Um, so this is we, this feeling of shakiness that we all have been feeling, which uh, has been intensifying in many ways and kind of manifesting in different ways, whether it is in um, you know, depression for people or whether it is in uh, um, emotional issues for many, for uh, the risk of suicide, there's stats out there that a risk of suicides increased. So I see this uh, wider scale of uh, unrest in our inner beings that's manifesting. And, you know, you can argue that, you know, this isn't sort of new per se, but I think what we are seeing is how widespread, mm -hmm. how widespread it is and how much it impacts us, right? Um, I think the other thing um, I'm noticing uh, that what kind of an impact it's having on our children, mm -hmm. kids, the teenagers, the young adults, right? You know, I've got like five nieces and nephews and each one of them, and I'm sure your children, Anjana, I know them, uh, their lives have been disrupted. The colleges have been disrupted, you know, time off. Like my, uh, two of my uh, nieces and nephews couldn't even attend graduation. So yeah, they're adapting, but it's really, really tough. And the, what, the difficult thing is it's harder for them to express that and to really know what's going on within them and how to cope with it. So that's, that's the other thing I've been noticing. Niv, so to summarize what you've just said, globally, we're seeing a devastating toll of the current challenges on our collective mental and emotional well-being. 
It is evident that we humans are not resourced adequately to connect with our inner worlds. There is a lack of awareness and resources for this. We have thus far created abundance in the outer world, but struggled with creating it inside. This needs to change and we urgently need to develop the full human potential to creatively solve the big challenges we are facing. Please continue to listen to the podcast to hear about the big challenges that we face as humankind and ways to overcome them. Um, you know, you've, you've started a movement here. You've started a platform called in and out abundance. Right. Um, what made you go from being the engineer that was using her intellect, that was using her intelligence? What made you think about this untapped human potential? And, and uh, can you talk a little bit about the in out yeah. abundance uh, journey that you've taken? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Anjana. Um, you know, uh, this platform, the in out abundance, uh, it really uh, has. Uh, been um, informed by my own life experiences in many ways. And I want to share that and the key highlights of that, how I came to this. Um, so, you know, as you're sharing, like I, I grew up in India, you know, I was born in India, um, grew up there. And as I, you know, as I reflect back on my life, Anjana, I kind of feel like there are three major phases that uh, I, I think of, you know, as I kind of reflect back. So one is a time when I uh, was growing up in India and when I left India to come to the U.S., the first phase. And a couple of things strike out to me. You know, one was that, you know, I was very fortunate that I was born in a very uh, supportive, progressive family. You know, parents were, they are wonderful. You know, I was um, second of four girls. Um, and I studied engineering, uh, you know, as a career, um, which still was very uncommon. You know, we didn't have a lot of women. So yes, I was uh, very much uh, um, trained to develop my mind, uh, you know, and uh, I was very um, clear that I wanted to be um, financially independent, have a career. Uh, and I was encouraged to do that. My uh, parents encouraged me to uh, be my own person. So that was sort of uh, what I was going through from an outer perspective, so to say, right? My experience of going up in India. Uh, but there was this inner side of me also that, you know, uh, is, was developing. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I shared with you that there was some aspects which uh, were uh, uh, very positive for me, there were some aspects that impacted me in, uh, in a not so positive way from an internal development standpoint. And one of the things I encountered was sort of the, the societal um, attitudes around uh, women, around girls and, you know, around stereotypes and what they can do, what they can't do. And um, even though my parents weren't necessarily fitting me in that box, there was this, you know, we're sensitive, we are human beings, we sense what's happening around us. Right. And so there was that pressure and that expectation that I was taking in inside of myself. And what that did to me, as I reflect back, is it kind of helped me sort of take on much more of a strong, you know, I'm very competent, functioning, over-functioning kind of um, person, you know, that, yeah, I can do it. I can do everything. 
you were trying to prove that you were competent and that you were worthy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and in the process, what uh, I was not learning or didn't have the resources to learn is there is this other side to me as well that's very sensitive, very vulnerable, who feels afraid, who feels scared. Mm -hmm. It's okay, it's human to do all of that. You need to know how to process those things, right? Mm -hmm. Learn how to do that. So anyways, my inner part was developing where I was really not really focusing on some aspects of my emotions, but really focusing on how do I function and be really competent and prove myself, right? Mm -hmm. Then I come to the US and uh, US, Actually, there's one other thing which really impacted me quite dramatically, which has affected uh, my future journey is something I experienced as a teenager in India. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, a very traumatic experience while I was in my first year of engineering school. Um, I went through, uh, let's say, strong harassment for eight or nine months at the hands of a few uh, boys, mm -hmm. uh, four or five boys, and uh, it was uh, it was to the extent that uh, it traumatized me very, very deeply. Uh, but what I did, I didn't really know how to deal with that very well that time, didn't know how to speak about it and, and get the resources, get the help, and so I repressed it. And so I had this big trauma that I was carrying along with me as I came to US, but honestly, I wasn't even aware, you know, that I was carrying that and how it was, it was affecting me. Right. Niv, what I'm taking away from this section is that there are repressed, unprocessed emotions and traumas experienced, especially during early teenage years, that can have devastating effects on living our lives fully. More often than not, shame, cultural conditioning, fear of judgment, etc., block us from seeking help. We need to bring light and compassion to these issues so that shame can be replaced with real healing and empowerment. Human beings feel. We need to honor this and accept this. Feelings bring intensity and vitality to our lives. Blocking difficult emotions, example anger, can block us from experiencing deep love and compassion. It is important to learn how to process our emotions in a healthy way. No emotion is bad. It exists for a reason. And so phase two, I come to the US and, uh, you know, of course I pursue a master's in engineering and I uh, have a career in, uh, uh, you know, in a Fortune 100 company doing R&D, doing new product development. It was a lot of creative work mm -hmm. in the technical area. Right. You know, so that was sort of a lot of the focus that I brought. And along with that, you know, from an inner side, I was uh, struggling in a marriage that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so it was, yeah, the, the outer, I was able to create, control, manage, do all of that. But there was this inner part of me, which was you know, struggling. Mm -hmm. And um, it was in my 20s that when I first came to the US that I, I got in touch in with my uh, inner life through uh, trying to figure out, you know, how do I 
navigate this marriage that wasn't working. And that's when I sort of got the first inside deep look into myself through the help of counselors, through the help of marital counseling. And it started to give me more clarity to see my emotions, give me more clarity into my emotions. So Niv, that was the first time that you actually started to tap into your inner self rather than, you know, what we all focus on as we're growing up as being very functional people, you know, contributing to society from an intellectual standpoint um, and from a, you know, even from a physical standpoint, but not really paying attention to the inside and what was really happening with the psyche. Yeah, I think, uh, I feel in all honesty, there were uh, little bits and pieces happening before. It was very much on the surface. This was Mm -hmm. really the first deeper dive. And so, you know, when I look back, I really feel that when you go through difficult times in life, you know, that can be a huge avenue for growth. If we channelize it, if we choose to use it. Right, right. right. And so I feel grateful that, yeah, the circumstance came into my life, the situation came, but I also got a lot of insight uh, and clarity. And I did uh, move out of the marriage Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and then let's just say that I entered sort of the third phase mm-hmm. of my life where I um, started exploring life uh, more, traveling, enjoying, uh, know, trying to know myself. Who was I? You know, yes. what was I here for? And, and I'd say, yeah, that awakening was happening, but a lot of my focus was still outside, you know, trying to build a career. I started uh, business school full time. Um, joined a company focused on innovation, creating new businesses, innovating with teams, leading teams, you know, a lot of fulfillment was coming through work, a lot of- And a lot of success, actually, a lot of success, success yeah. achievement, yeah. Achievement, and along with that, you the money comes in along, the financial uh, uh, part is very attractive too. But you know, I was beginning to notice around this time, sort of, you know, in my third phase that there was something missing mm-hmm. inside of me when I would just sit, you know, I would get so consumed in my work that after that, I would purposely not want to have much time to myself because I would feel, I would feel like something was missing. It was really, really difficult to be just completely yeah. alone with myself. Right. I, I was finding it hard to connect with myself. And, um, you know, around that time, uh, there was some other situations that happened in my life, which opened this door for uh, just finding avenues for how do I connect better with myself. Mm -hmm. The key takeaways for me was that the master key to growing and healing is loving and accepting yourself as you are, versus fighting with parts of yourself. This helps to free up the blocked energy for focus on constructive growth. We need to learn how to relax our minds, strengthen our hearts, and connect with our energy source. These are our multi-dimensional capabilities to maximize our full potential. And I actually found some resources for meditation. Mm-hmm. That was almost about 10 years back or so. And, um, and you know, that probably along with some of the leadership development work that, you know, I was doing in my previous company, you know, how they were, they were mm-hmm. and those help to some degree, they help you look in, but 
those leadership development programs are much more behavior focused. They're not so concerned about what's happening inside of you. Right. So long as you exhibit a certain kind of behavior, right? I mean, you, you're very well familiar with that right. yourself. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's the door opening, uh, the meditation is really what opened the door for me to look into myself and sort of start relaxing my mind more, which was constantly you know, going on and on and on, thinking of this, wanting to do this, that. Actually, you're not alone in that. I, I really feel like you know, the, the whole trappings of success and money and, and successful career is actually a trapping because the trapping is that you're busy all the time, right? And, and yeah. I think we sometimes take pleasure in the fact that we're so busy. Absolutely. Uh, it feels great to tell people, well, I don't even have a minute to myself, you know, but I don't think that that actually leads to that, that fulfillment or that bliss or that happiness that we're all sort of looking for and which is, which seems just elusive, right? Elusive. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, you said it, I mean, and on top of it, you feel so disconnected with yourself that it's, it's hard to even figure out how do you start connecting? What does that connection feel like? Right. And Nip, the um, true takeaways here were that the current innovation practices in most organizations are constrained by mind and thinking orientation and do not tap into other human capabilities. And that the current approach is not sustainable for the changing world, accelerating automation, robots, AI, machine learning, brings up a vital question. What unique value will humans bring versus machines? Employee vitality, creativity, and ingenuity can be blocked by unprocessed emotions, huge source of breakthrough innovation needed to solve the many pressing problems. Therefore, leadership development of employees is another critical area with increased emphasis on inclusivity, presence, and being able to make agile decisions with limited presence. Humans have tremendous untapped potential to bring breakthrough value to organizations, to their communities, and to the world. Automation and technology are necessary tools and humans need to be resourced to drive their direction and development versus becoming slaves to them. To me, uh, meditation provided that way. And I honestly feel like, you know, I feel like meditation is such a miracle. You know, it's sort of the Oh, it's some big spiritual, da da da. You know, who knows what? What are you doing when you're meditating? This and that. It is so simple, and uh, you know, hopefully, as we go through, we can uh, we can do a little bit of meditation. But I kind of feel like it's a way to become your own best friend. Mm. It's a way for you to just sit with yourself in silence to know well, what's happening inside of me, what's happening in my head, what's happening in my feelings you know and just it's reconnecting with yourself reconnecting with yourself and so um kind of like phase three was i'd say probably a big part of this was this starting to reconnect with myself at a deeper level where yeah of course i was doing the exercising and work and all of that but you know this became a real rejuvenating way mm -hmm. for me to uh connect with myself and what happened, Anjana, actually probably three years back or so, is when my journey kind of took on a, maybe a much more accelerated trajectory, you know, much more steeper trajectory. And 
um, you know, situations happened which led me to uh, go to India. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was unwell. I was in India with her uh, as she was healing. I was working in India and that, the nature of the work I had uh, was consulting primarily. It gave me an opportunity to find the time to go deeper in myself mm -hmm. and pursue more personal growth and, uh, uh, and, and just connect with my spirit more. And that took me traveling to around the world, actually. It was a fantastic time where I traveled not only over India, across India. I went to Nepal. I went to uh, uh, many countries in Europe, you know, in that I'm very curious to know about your experiences in Denmark. And uh, I know that you went to Tuscany in Italy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, these, were, these were not just touristy destinations, but in fact, uh, connecting deeper into the collective sort of humanity um, and, and the work which is happening actually in many parts of the world now uh, for yeah. that overall connectivity and, uh, you know, harnessing the power of creativity, really. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Amsterdam and the Denmark yeah. and the Tuscany experiences? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the three major ones for me. Um, uh, the one close to Amsterdam, it's actually a human uh, development or human growth uh, university. And they really focus on developing your heart. Mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, and so the motto is love is the answer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so there I, I actually, uh, you know, learned how to take off sort of the, uh, the masks that I had put on, you know, to sort of cope in the world, you know, mm -hmm. so we, we develop a lot of defense strategies as we're growing up. And, and I, I, one of the things for me was to learn to understand that those defense strategies also exist for a reason. Right. You know, they, it's not that they're bad, mm -hmm. you know, that, oh, you know, something was wrong with you that you develop that. You develop them for a reason. You develop because, them because you need to um, survive in a particular environment and thrive as much as you can in an environment, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, as you grow up and where I was at when, you know, I was at this place is something wasn't working for me. Some of the strategies or defense strategies, they weren't allowing me to connect with who I was now and what the world was in front of me, what the environment was in front of me. Today, right. Right. right? Yeah. And so I learned a lot of things, uh, you know, working with a lot of other people. So there were, there was a community of people who, you know, some were like me, others were like experts in this area where how do you uh, get more and more in touch with your authentic self, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I'd say that that was my uh, biggest learning there. And uh, probably uh, one other big one was to heal my trauma, the trauma that I shared with you, I was carrying, I, you know, carried that for uh, three decades, believe it or not, Anjana. Mm -hmm. And um, I found out that through this healing work that I was carrying uh, intense anger at what happened to me. And there was the sense of outrage. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of humiliation and right. sense of shame, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and what that was doing, I didn't, not only did I heal that and release that, but also understood what it was doing to me. Yeah. And what it was doing to me, it was making me 
disconnected with my own feelings. I was numb to feeling myself. And what happens is when you, maybe this is a key thing I learned that I want to share is that, you know, one of the things I learned, and I know many of us learned this, this is part of what, you know, how we get conditioned is that certain emotions are good, other emotions are bad. For example, anger is not considered a good emotion across the world, right? We basically told, hey, just zip it, you know, don't show it or deal with it, you know? Right, right. And so what do we do? We either, uh, we suppress it mostly into our unconscious, you know, we repress it. And so, but what, when you don't deal with your anger, process your anger in a constructive way, what that does, it blocks you from feeling your heart, feeling love, feeling compassion, feeling kindness, because it's all the same energy. Mm -hmm. And if you're kind of blocking and repressing one side of the energy, the other side of the energy is just not available to you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we often struggle. It's on the same continuum is what you're saying. The continuum exactly. actually is on one side, you've got love, kindness, generosity. Yeah. And the other side of that is actually anger, guilt, and some of the things that you're talking about. Exactly. And, and I just want to, want to um, make one point here that this is not limited to females, right? We're talking about the humankind because I feel like men across the world have also gone through their own experiences, right? So this is not about male-female thing. This is really about a human thing that people experience different things in different cultures, in different countries, in different, you know, surroundings. And so this has nothing really to do with with just a female or male dynamic. This is really your human experience. Absolutely, Angela. That's the baggage that you hold, right? Yeah, I think that's that's a very important point uh, for, uh, you know, uh, to understand and to bear in mind that in, in many ways, you know, while women have uh, gone through sort of, you know, the experience of sort of blocking some of their emotions, men have gone through the same. In fact, men have gone through the experience of, more, uh, of having to block all, most of their emotions, right? In fact, the pressure is even more so on them to, you know, be in a certain way and act in a certain way and not shed tears. And, you know, there are all kinds of conditionings. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, when you get on this healing journey, as I, as I was, and I met a lot of men and uh, women, uh, you know, on that path, I found that women, uh, because they naturally can get quicker back into their heart. Sometimes it's a quicker process for them. Mm-hmm. Men, unless they really become conscious and aware of it, can really struggle with it, mm-hmm. you know, even more. Yeah. So uh, just having that attunement that this is a human issue, this isn't just a you know, gender-based issue. Now, it may have different implications, different aspects might impact a, a woman versus a man more because of this certain... Uh, conditionings or cultural expectations, that's possible and that happens. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, I'd say, uh, my experience in Amsterdam and I'd say Denmark and uh, Italy were uh, very uh, similar experiences in terms of healing mm-hmm. myself um, in different different aspects. You know, I kind of think about it as a 
uh, onion layer of layers as you peel the layers of the onion. So you take the masks out and then you kind of start dealing with your processing your emotions. Then you start going deeper into um, understanding uh, and processing how do you connect more with your spirit? Right. You know, how do you get more centered and more sunk in? And ultimately, the biggest learning, the biggest learning out of all of this uh, for me was how to love myself accept myself just the way I am. Anjana, and this may sound very paradox, very paradoxical because isn't our, you know, in, in many ways, what we're trying to do is improve. We're trying to grow. But one of the things I learned is if you're focused on fighting something, that, oh no, I got to fix this. This is wrong in me. I got to fix this. If your energy is stuck there, mm -hmm then your energy is just, you don't have energy to work on anything constructive for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So key is loving uh, yourself and being kind and compassionate, understanding that some of the barriers and blocks that might have been developed in you, um, give them the light of understanding. Mm -hmm. Give them the light of awareness mm -hmm. and give them the light of resources that, you know, you want, you want, you want to unfold them. You want to grow, right? But treat them with kindness. Otherwise, you know, our energy gets stuck. I mean, that was a huge learning for me. So what you're saying is that as human beings, we are enough as we are, that, you know, we have enough spiritual energy in ourselves um, and that we are in ourselves enough. Uh, and that, of course, we, we will continue to have continuous improvement in yeah. the world and, and we will continue to be better people. But that uh, that energy spent on constructive nature of knowing that you're enough and then building from that is a much more positive energy uh, than uh, getting stuck in, in the more negative uh, sort of uh, thought process. Connecting with our inner world involves connecting with all the gifts and capabilities humans have been given, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our energy source. We need to learn how to tune into our body, relax our mind, strengthen our heart, and connect with our energy source. Now, Absolutely. can I ask you a, a question related to your journey that, um, you know, you worked in Fortune 100 companies and you've been part of R&D, you've been part of innovation. Um, uh, which which I have very deep sort of connection with as well, because with my background, I've worked with a lot of very brilliant people across, uh, you know, different industries as well as in my own industry. And what I realize is that the innovation process, the, the process of creativity, the process of actually leading creativity uh, is a very, uh, it's, it's not easy uh, because you're trying to... The key takeaways here are that organizations need to strategically confront how the world is changing, accelerating automation, human leadership development, inclusivity momentum, remote working, etc., and real implications for how they will win going forward. How will these organizations be attractive to a new generation of employees who are more socially conscious, want to bring their unique selves and values to work, and are also working remotely spread throughout the day. Considering strategic implications of not developing human potential more fully in the changing world uh, that we face, 
toxicity in organizations, turnover, employee morale, negative effects on brand and overall performance, not to mention social responsibility aspects. Strategic organizations, innovation-focused corporations and firms need to actively look at this opportunity. There are many aspects and implications that warrant deep dive and further discussion. NIV leads an organization called In-Out Abundance that has developed a practical framework for startups, corporations, and organizations to unleash this untapped potential. You can contact inoutabundance at gmail.com for more information. Harness the, the uh, untapped potential of people. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about the work that you've done and, you know, is this something important for us really? Because many people who are listening to us are probably thinking, well, I'm not really broken. I don't really have, you know, that many issues to deal with. Does this really relate to me? Uh, but yeah. I think on a deeper level, it's about, it's, it's uh, what I'm hearing from you is that it's about really the untapped potential in all of us to give a lot more back to our community, to the world, right? Um, whether it's through yeah. innovation or through our everyday lives. So, so how do you think that that, work that you've done manifests itself in what you've seen in, in you know, our, our companies across the world. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, um, yeah. So, you know, um, like you, as you, you were saying, um, probably uh, the one thing I've done most in my career is uh, uh, bringing, uh, innovating, mm-hmm. right? Innovating myself, whether it's technically or whether it is innovating in business. Um, doing it myself, doing it with groups leading. So yeah, I've done that for um, maybe one thing that I've done most in my career. Now, what I see today or what my experience tells me is the way we uh, do the innovation process is uh, it's mostly, uh, I'd say, coming from the mind, okay? So it's coming from our thoughts. So what, we, what we're trying to do is, okay, we create certain scenarios, we try to think about, okay, how do I uh, think about this situation differently? Okay, and, and we, we create triggers for that, yeah. It's thinking oriented, it's mind oriented. And what we also do is we bring people in uh, to randomize it, right? Because mind typically is a, it's linear, yeah. right? So we try to randomize the process by bringing groups of people kind of going through, uh, we stick, uh, uh, brainstorming. Uh, exactly, uh, brainstorming. Exactly. Brainstorming. Exactly. Brainstorming. Yeah. Yeah. You so kind of do all of that, right? And uh, so there are some really progressive organizations who understand that uh, very few that uh, people's emotions play a big role, right? And so, uh, you know, sometimes what they do, the way we approach this is that we try to bring nonlinear thinkers mm-hmm. into the process, right? We try to bring creative people into the process. right? But it's all around using the mind, right? So that's sort of how it works. Now, what's also happening in organizations is that, or across, not just uh, across the world, um, automation, right? So the use of robots, the use of artificial algor- uh, intelligence algorithms, machine learning, you name right. it, right? 
So you can, I mean, our minds are memory banks. You can feed all of this memory or the, the mind uh, things into uh, these machines. Mm -hmm. And you can randomize it using 10, 100 different ways better than we humans can. And kind of come up with a very close, or even better ideas than, you know, groups of humans do mm -hmm. uh, using just the mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now, then you, then you start thinking about this. The, the, the question that comes up is the automation is only going to grow. And we're already seeing the impact of that right through uh, and, uh, in the world. It brings up the question, how are human beings going to bring a unique value? Mm -hmm. Okay. What is it about us that makes us different than uh, machines or robots or artificial intelligence algorithms? So I feel, Anjana, with, with what I've learned, with what um, I, the dots that I've connected, what makes us, let's talk about what makes us human. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We, we know we have a body, a physical body. We're aware we breathe, right? We're at least aware of our breathing. We are aware of our minds. We are aware of our thoughts. We know we have a heart how well connected we are with it, that's a different issue, right? So we kind of know this, we kind of know sort of the functioning sort of say, but if you step back then and think about which are the centers, you, uh, the capabilities of the humans, uh, well, there's one capability also that I haven't mentioned, and that is uh, the, our life source. And what do I mean by the life source, Anjana? Uh, that's actually one of the centers that most of us uh, are not even aware that we have, or we're not consciously aware, very few of us are. And that, what you, you may call it the soul, you may call it the consciousness, you may call it the intelligence, uh, con uh, cosmic intelligence. You know, maybe you say that you do you call it that from sort of much more of a spiritual perspective, but uh, we don't know if it exists from a scientific perspective. Because you can't touch it, you can't see it, you can't, from a scientific standpoint, I mean, the reason why we are even relating to the mind, the brain, the heart, is because you can see it, you can feel it. But, but what you're talking about is actually the energy source, which is existing in all of us. Exactly. And, and, and so how do, how do people in today's world, like you were saying, it's got to be tangible, you've got to know it, right? So what we've not what we've lost and what we need to reconnect with is knowing and experiencing a life source here and now. Mm -hmm. And you and I will go through that and we'll experience it here and now. Mm -hmm. So it's not some esoteric thing out there, right? It's, but the thing is that because we've not been given the tools and the resources and how to, we don't even know it exists. Right. Forget about connecting with it. So, mm -hmm. Coming back to sort of the innovation and closing on to that aspect, what uh, is what needs to happen really if you want to bring humans to bring unique value? You've mm -hmm. got to tap what's unique about them, what mm -hmm. they bring that's different. Right. Um, and what we're not tapping, we're tapping the minds today. We're not tapping our hearts. Mm -hmm our emotions, our feelings, okay? And Anjana, 
we know this as a human being. You and I both know this. People who are listening to this know this. We know we feel, our feelings form such an important part of us. In fact, a lot of our decisions, it doesn't matter, we try to bring critical thinking and taking bias out, all of that's great, but our decisions primarily are driven a lot by our emotions and our feelings and our instincts. Mm -hmm. And there's this research to prove that, right? Now, right. right? And, yeah. and our attempt is to try to decouple it, that's fine, you try, but what I'm saying is reality is humans feel mm -hmm. and those feelings need to be, the more uh, processed those feelings are, the more healthy and flowing those feelings are, more they can be unstuck from wherever they are and freed up for creativity and innovation. Mm -hmm. That is a huge part of the energy that's not being tapped today. Right, right. And, and I finally, think, uh... Yeah, so, so just, just one question related to that. So, so you're talking about now untapping a side of, uh, you know, human potential that companies have not normally focused on. And I think it, it has to do with a multitude of reasons. Yeah. We only have so much amount of time at work. Yeah. We're trying to get our tasks done in, in many cases. Uh, in many companies now, um, you know, how you do things uh, and not just what you do is important. So we've yeah. gotten to the stage of really understanding human behavior, right? And, and this is what you were talking about earlier, which is in our leadership programs, we're primarily focusing on behaviors, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you get stuff done? As a leader, how are you leading uh, your people, right? Um, uh, so, so that how has become really important as much as, as the what. So we're no longer task oriented. But now you're talking about another depth of work that corporations actually need to do. And this is where I think what you're setting up as a platform is really interesting to me because this is now going beyond the what the how into the why. Why are we doing what yeah. we're doing? Why, why is, you know, why are human beings the way we are? So, so how do we, practically speaking, how do we unleash that power in, in companies, for example? And then I'll, I'll get to the, to the, you know, you have to catch them young. So I'll get to yeah. the students and the teens and the work that you're doing with them. So let's talk yeah. about corporations first and sure. us sure. adults who are trying to be, you know, functional in, in these big organizations. Absolutely. Organizations for that Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, th th there's a, there's a uh, sort of, a, I think what's important, you're right. Uh, organizations have a lot to deal with, right? And in fact, what we what we're talking about seemingly might feel like we talk, we're asking them to do more, whereas they're trying to do less. They're trying to cut, 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 cut. You know, in the in the current circumstance. But here's here's why I think uh, why I feel strongly that uh, corporations who would do something like this would be positioned for tremendous success, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. um, Look at what's changing for organizations. First, let's take a step back, okay, before we can talk about this. Let's unpeel the layer of the onion there. Um, we're, uh, we talked about automation. So the question then is, people that they hire, people that they're bringing in, what kind of, are they, are they gonna be able to bring unique value? Mm -hmm. And how are they gonna develop that value, That's right? right? How are they gonna develop that, right? Yeah. 
So it kind of goes into sort of this uh, deeper how. Look at the, uh, how the how is working today. You know, like if you look mm -hmm. at the leadership development uh, uh, situation. Well, I'm glad the kind of progress that's being made uh, from a how perspective. But we also know, Anjana, that um, you can force fit somebody in certain behaviors, but if their inside is not aligned to that, mm -hmm. either they uh, will uh, sabotage it, mm -hmm. either they get sabotage or they sabotage whoever they're leading. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you can ask yourself, I can tell you several examples about toxicity in organizations that exists because of uh, a lot of unprocessed, repressed uh, emotions people are walking around caring, but putting on masks and behaving a certain way because they know that's what they need to demonstrate in order to get ahead. But in right. the, and it shows up as a lack of trust in most cases. Exactly. It, 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 to, uh, think about the morale of the employees, the leadership, and ultimately, Anjana, we know this, it shows up in the company's performance. That's right. It shows up in the company's brand, how, how, how much they're going to be able to pull people in. And then you have to look at the current generation, the new generation of leaders or a newer generation of people that they need to be bringing in uh, on board. Uh, and we can talk more about this later on, but you've got to make your corporation attractive enough for them to thrive as who they are as people. They, they're bringing themselves to your company. I, I think this whole idea about you have to fit in a certain box has to be completely rethought mm -hmm. by companies and, and manifests in many different ways. Hiring criteria, development criteria, how they organize their, uh, their uh, structures uh, criteria, how they innovate, how they work with their customers, you name it, Anjana. It's got mm -hmm. broad implications. So then coming back to how do organizations do something like this when they're feeling suppression and suppression? So I feel like they need to really understand the climate in which uh, business is going to be done. What needs to happen today and going forward? How's the world changing? How's so they've they've got to come to terms with it. It's not business as That's before, right. anymore. Yeah. Right? yeah. Right. So you've got to look at that, and then you've got to think about okay. Well, with my these are my resources. How am I going to prioritize my resources? What are the areas I have to develop? And I I feel that if you're not developing. Uh, your uh, programs to tap into the fuller potential of an employee who's coming in, who's, by the way, spending literally their entire day split in chunks now working for you. It's sort of become part of their life. Either, Anjana, how companies, how people work is going to change or companies would have to change to bring them in. Or maybe it's going to be somewhere in between. Yeah, and I think so, that, that's leading us to the next topic really which is that you know there's a whole generation of kids today who yeah. are you know in their primary secondary school um, uh, you know area and um, many of them are now graduating college through this very difficult time uh, many of them may not have jobs going forward 
many may be having families that don't have jobs and um, and are you know critically looking at their future and obviously deciding where they want to be. So in this new world that we are entering uh, post pandemic, uh, I think we can call it before coronavirus and after coronavirus now <laughs> instead of BC and AD. Um, so so in this new uh, sort of world that we're entering. Um, What's your suggestion for teens and and for young adults who are looking to build their lives? And obviously, you know, I think this generation, the, the, the younger generation obviously has grown up in a different way as compared to the previous generations, which is, which is not, nothing new. Uh, our generation was very different than our parents or grandparents' generation. So in order for the future to be attractive and for them to continue innovating as they would in this new world of AI, automation and other sort of machine uh, learning uh, and, and uh, adoption within yeah. um, the, the world, how do, what advice would you give them to harness their power? Because they're gonna be faced with it more probably yeah. than all of us. Uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to continue to sort of evolve ourselves, but I think the, the new generation obviously will have to deal with it a lot more. So what's your advice for parents and for these young adults uh, and teens uh, to develop themselves in a different way and to seek out organizations that actually support uh, that development as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a very, very vital question. Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, our children, the young adults, the kids who are being born now or teens, in many ways, Anjana, I feel like the kind of complexity that, that they're dealing with is, you know, more than um, we dealt with when we were growing up. And given that we're dealing with it now, but then we also have this perspective from that we're bringing along, but they really don't have a lot of, you know, perspective. And so that's good and bad both because I think the good piece is that they're much more open and much more receptive, right? right? And so uh, I think uh, I feel like as I've been working with teenagers, as I've been uh, working with young adults in universities, I feel that the opening for them to understand that they're more than just their minds mm -hmm. is much more. So that who are they? They've got a heart. They've got a life source. How do they connect with that? Um, how do they think about uh, more than just themselves? How do they think about the environment that they're in? How do they think about uh, climate? How do they think about, you know, the, the, the consciousness level, I feel, it, the receptivity level, uh, by and large, I feel is much more, the, mm -hmm. the social consciousness right. or the desire for that is much more. And I feel like this is, it's, it's, it, it's absolutely urgent now to tap into that receptivity. And in many ways, I feel like this is, this, we have to develop them for, as leaders for the world that they're in today and what's coming. And for that, uh, you know, I feel like parents have to be on board, obviously. And that's where for parents to, Maybe, maybe think about this from a few different perspectives where that opens them up if they're not feeling as receptive to, oh, well, what is but all Niv, of this? Niv, what are the resources that you would suggest for parents? Because I think, look, uh, 
I have two kids uh, and yeah. I can tell you that it's sometimes uh, you are um, bombarded with a lot of information. You don't yeah. always know what is a reliable place to go to, to get information about uh, bringing your children up with their inner creativity uh, enlightened as well as supporting them in their emotional journey, uh, listening to them, uh, making sure that you are, you, you know, you're, you're sort of supporting their, their development in this particular area. So I uh, have, so two questions are coming out. One, yeah. what resources for parents? What resources for teens? And I know that your In Out Abundance is trying to uh, actually collate a lot of these uh, resources so that uh, across the world that you can provide that sort of support if people are seeking it. Yeah, absolutely, Anjana. I mean, that is the whole uh, mission for In Out Abundance uh, to make this a practical uh, way of uh, moving along this path. Mm -hmm. How do you relax your mind? Mm -hmm. How do you strengthen your heart? And how do you tap into your life source? Mm -hmm. So I'd say that uh, programs that, uh, you know, certainly workshops and resources that in out abundance would provide is completely you know customized for this purpose mm -hmm. uh, there are other resources as well i would say that uh, uh, meditation is a huge resource uh, for uh, relaxing the mind okay and there are um, really good uh, uh, programs out there uh, so if you you know like art of living in, in through i know in india uh, offers some really good programs. Uh, Sadhguru offers some good programs there. Uh, Osho, through Osho's uh, work, who's an enlightened master as well, there are beautiful meditations available. And honestly, this can be as simple as 10 minutes to 15 minutes of meditation every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I'll share one meditation that we're going to do. Maybe we do it right after the segment, Anjana. Sure to uh, uh, feel it out, what that, that looks like. So that's one. I think the other one has to, is around personal growth and uh, emotional growth. That's a huge area. And I would say that uh, certainly some of the uh, avenues that I've just spoken about uh, offer programs there, but let's also tap into our uh, psychiatrists, our counselors, our uh, our, uh, you know, uh, the, the holistic centers that many of the hospitals are starting to uh, provide, the universities are providing mm -hmm. some of these resources as well. I know that uh, many progressive universities are. Look into those programs. You know, and it's interesting that you say that because there's a primary school in the UK that I was reading about that actually has brought in meditation and yoga for their elementary school students. So mm -hmm. when you enter class one or class two, they already are taught uh, yoga as well as meditation. And yeah. you know, it may seem really um, like an Eastern philosophy to a lot of our Western friends. And um, there's a lot of skepticism around whether or not people want to undertake this. I see it more as a life source uh, training rather than a religious affiliation, right? Because you could be any religion, but the life source for all of us is the same. And tapping into that through meditation, through yoga, and some of the other exercises, even though they originated, uh, you know, in in the East, uh, have a lot of merit uh, across the world. Anjana, uh, maybe one thing I'd like to also highlight along the same lines of what you're saying is that 
we have to understand that, uh, you know, uh, science, you know, maybe this is a good time to talk about science and spirituality and how uh, we generally have thought about it, but what needs to shift there. So we, science is really like uh, moving outside, right? It's like proving things, tangible experiments, you know, with using the mind. So using the analytical mind. So you break down things, you prove it, right? Uh, and that's science. And science actually is sort of the world of what's known and what is maybe knowable. You may not know it yet, mm -hmm. but it's knowable, right? right. So, right. so there's, there's a quest towards, okay, now we got to move there. And also remember that science, when science answers a question, uh, it does not become cast in stone. A next scientist comes along and they, you know, find something else. And ah, yeah, it's a hypothesis. Right? You prove exactly. it. You exactly. You may have other hypotheses. Right. So now let's talk about spirituality. Uh, spirituality is the science of the inner. It's moving inside. Okay. Whereas if you think about science is moving out, spirituality is moving in. It's understanding the architecture of your inner being. And uh, it is also, so here's the difference between how I see difference between belief and experience. Mm -hmm. the, the, some of the reasons why, uh, you know, people across the world, East, West, anywhere, we feel kind of hesitant about uh, some of the... Uh, inner sciences mm -hmm. is because we kind of feel, oh, that takes us into religion, right? It may be uh, Hinduism or Buddhism or Christianity, whatever. The reality is, Anjana, that uh, what we're talking about, the difference between sort of how I see spirituality and religion is spirituality talks about experience, mm -hmm. experiencing it, not believing it, mm -hmm. okay? So don't take something because it's written in a book that this is how it is. You take it and you believe it and you run with it. Well, mm -hmm. the thing is that in today's world, we're not prepared to do that. Our minds have shifted. We've become much more analytical and we're not just going to take something written down and just run with it, right? I think that's healthy. We've got to be able to be curious. We got to be able to question. We got to be able to be on a search on our own to find out. Mm -hmm. And that's where spirituality takes you because spirituality is an invitation to come and experience. Do not believe, do not believe that exists, uh, uh, you know, a life source or soul or, uh, you know, an inner or this and that. Come, taste it, try it, see for yourself, experience for yourself. So I think this is the approach to take where then you start thinking about that the West has done a lot of work in the outer sciences, right? A lot of technologies, advancements have been done, a lot of innovations have been done. Well, East has done a lot of innovation in the inner sciences, mm -hmm. whether it's through yoga, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through, you know, thousands of years of, uh, you know, sciences developed for the inner the healing sciences, the restorative sciences. The issue has been, Anjana, to talk about it in a way, to blend this in a way that it becomes an experience for us that we can live here and now practically in our lives. Yeah, and I, think, I, 
Right, and I just, I think the summary I'm taking out is that the outer sciences obviously are very important. That's yep. something that, that, you know, that we all live and know. However, mm -hmm. the inner science and the spirituality and everything which has been experienced from a restor restorative human sciences standpoint is also equally important. And that we probably are missing out on a huge sort of, um, uh, a huge area uh, which which really should be uh, something that we should be uh, refocusing on uh, and something that, that today's world actually needs a lot. Look, uh, Niv, uh, I would love to keep talking. Uh, this is this has been uh, a real uh, sort of pleasure. I feel like we haven't completed this conversation. I feel like you've got to come back. Uh, this is not a one and done, certainly. Uh, but uh, but this was this was extremely. Um, uh, sort of uh, informative for me and I hope that uh, those that are watching uh, the vlog would also take away a lot um, and certainly um, you know any last sort of words I know that we wanted to do a piece of meditation for people to experience um, uh, at the very end so that you know those that have never done it can actually see how it how it is and perhaps even practice it on a daily basis uh, so any last words and then go into meditation to finish uh, this particular session. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe time's flown here, huh? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I would uh, just um, want to maybe reiterate that uh, the, this whole idea of creating abundance mm -hmm. inside the human being so that that can be created on the outside is really the key. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I say abundance, what I mean is uh, the sense of uh, joy, the sense of overflowing and not coming from a space of scarcity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this whole uh, area of tapping into the human potential beyond just the mind is key mm -hmm. for uh, creating this inner joy and abundance and centeredness. And that then naturally manifests on the outside for the kind of breakthrough innovation we need. We need to be able to have reverence for life, how we connect with each other, how we connect with the environment. And that can't be forced, it has to be a feeling that has to come from within us. So we need to create the resources in the environment for that to be able to manifest in the world. Um, so that really, I mean, human beings can thrive in an environment which is rich and abundant and full of technology and comfort on the outside, but it's giving them the restorative, a joyful sense of being able to enjoy that and connect with that and connect with something bigger than, than, than themselves right. along with that as well. Yeah. So I, I, I want to just uh, end with that. And I also would like to thank you again and uh, thank uh, uh, existence and all uh, the enlightened uh, beings and evolved leaders, mentors, guides that have uh, inspired me, that have helped me open myself, see the light and within myself. And I'd like to also uh, uh, thank my uh, parents because I wouldn't be 
here where I'm at. And I've still more to go, but my parents have been a huge part of my journey. Their support and love means a lot to me. Thank you, Nivedita. This was an amazing conversation. And uh, uh, I certainly don't think that this is the end of uh, our conversations. I'm sure that we will have many more. Um, there are so many things I would like to delve into that we weren't able to uh, get to in this particular session. So, um, so thank you so much for your, um, again, for, for participating in the journey of life and to share your insights of what you've learned in your journey. In the work that Nif Sharma has done with teens and young adults in general, has revealed an openness and receptivity to knowing who they are beyond their minds. There is a genuine curiosity. There is an urgent need for resources to support, grow and develop teens and children through different touch points at schools, universities, at home, in communities and at work through accessible avenues for mental and emotional support, relaxation, self-care, art and creativity, meditation and mindfulness. Time is ripe as there is a receptivity, especially now as their inner and outer worlds are turned upside down. There is lots more to discuss and share on this topic. Please note that In Out Abundance will be hosting workshops customized to these topics and more in the near future. Please like and follow the platform Facebook page to stay connected and updated on upcoming opportunities. Additional resources that have been personally vetted by In Out Abundance have been provided for parents and teens, young adults to consider. Outer sciences and inner sciences are both equally important. The former uses an outward going analytical approach, while the latter uses an inward going experiential approach. They are not in conflict, but both are required and needed and work synergistically to create outer and inner abundance for humans and their environment. This meditation practice called Vipassana was developed by Gautam Buddha 2,500 years back in India. Essentially, you watch your breath and the pauses in between the inhalation and exhalation. Through this practice, you can experience your breath, not in your control right now. Come into the present moment, still your mind, and notice what happens at the pauses. If you're curious enough and try it, this very simple practice can give you a taste of relaxation and that which is beyond the breath itself, the deathless, the eternal in you. Here and now, no belief, no disbelief. Invitation is to experience for yourself. You're invited to do this eight to 10 minute guided meditation. So with that, uh, why don't we practice what we've been talking about, which is the yeah. meditation? And uh, um, would you say five minutes? Uh, I'd say that let's take about two minutes to just uh, have me just share what we'll do and then let's practice it for five minutes. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, let's do that.
So what we're going to do is um, a meditation that was uh, developed by uh, Buddha, a Gautam Buddha, 2,500 years back. It's called Vipassana. And meditation is watching, it really involves watching your breath. So what we'll first do is, uh, actually, why don't I uh, just, uh, uh, just guide us through it and we start doing it as we as a guide? Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, that's fine. And then maybe I can comment a little bit about the meditation towards the end after we're oh, done. That's fine. Okay. So I would invite you, Anjana, to uh, close your eyes. Um, sit comfortably with your, uh, maybe your uh, hands on your uh, thighs, palms facing up. And uh, breathe deeply into your belly like you're blowing into a balloon. Let's do that three times. And as you're doing that, just feel a relaxation come into your body. Feel your legs are relaxing, arms are relaxing, and your breath is relaxing. And as you come into this present moment with your full attention, I would invite you to feel the chair on which you're seated and feel your legs firmly, your feet firmly planted on the ground. And feel like there is a force pulling you from your seat down into the earth. So this is grounding force pulling you down. Feel that. And as you relax into that, I would invite you to take a, to bring your attention to your nostrils and take a deep breath in, an inhalation and follow that breath as closely as you can with your awareness, with your attention. And let it, it'll go down to your navel area somewhere. Just follow that inhalation all the way down to your navel area. And see that it pauses there and it turns and becomes an exhalation. Follow that exhalation as closely as you can. 
bring it, let it come back to your other nostril. Notice there's a pause again and the breath turns and becomes an inhalation. So this is what we're going to practice. We're going to breathe in, inhale, follow that breath closely as it's moving down in your body to your navel area. It pauses and it turns. Follow that exhalation out to your nostril. It pauses and it becomes an inhalation. Okay, so let's, let's do this. So let's inhale. Keep following that breath. To your navel. See it turn. Watch it. Follow it as it comes out. Notice there's a pause and an inhalation again. Follow that inhalation. Notice the pause, the turn of the breath. Comes out, pause, inhale. Let's do this. See your breath move in the circle. Inhalation. Pause, exhalation, pause, inhalation, pause, exhalation. So I'm not going to speak for a minute. I'll let you do this. Feel your breath, watch your breath, and in particular, watch those pauses for however a fraction of a second they might be for. Let's do this for a minute. And if your mind moves here and there, just gently bring it back to your breath. We want your 100% attention to be on watching your breath, your inhalation and exhalation and the pauses.
Go as slow as you can, but very watchful. Don't let your breath get away from your watching. Let it flow naturally and let your watching move with it. Now, I would gently ask you to bring your attention back to me. And uh, before I just uh, share some key points about this meditation. Is this something you'd like to share, Anjana? How is it for you? Um, so uh, thank you uh, for leading us through a very sort of uh, quietening and um, time to connect to ourselves. Um, we talked about it for the vlog, but I think it was important for us to experience that. Um, I think any time that you can um, focus on sort of your uh, natural life breath, uh, it brings you in touch with yourself. And the mind, which is always racing, um, essentially needs to quieten down. And um, it's a great way to bring focus in your life. It's a great way to quieten yourself. And it's a great way to really experience the bliss of breathing and the oxygen which is going in, which is really the scientific portion of this, that we're, we're actually ox oxidating each and every cell in our body, right? So, mm -hmm. so this is, it was wonderful as always, Nev. Um, and uh, thank you for, for leading us through that. Thank you for sharing how it was for you, Anjana, and your thoughts about uh, how meditation makes you feel. Um, few things I'd like to mention about uh, this meditation and kind of connect it with what we talked about. So uh, we uh, talked about a body, relaxing a body. We talked about connecting with a breath. Mm -hmm. um, we um, talked about uh, relaxing our hearts, connecting with our hearts and the life source. So what I want to highlight here is that when I asked you to focus on the pauses, you, when you were going in the breath, inhalation up. So the pauses are the most mysterious points. Mm -hmm. And those pauses, if you think about it, you're not breathing in those pauses. Okay, even for a fraction of a second, mm -hmm. you're, you're not breathing, but you're still there. Mm -hmm. So uh, those who've known mystics and like Buddhas, enlightened beings, those who've known, they've actually become enlightened 
Buddha became enlightened by doing this practice. For us, you know, where we are at, even noticing that in those pauses, we are not breathing, yet we are. Mm -hmm. So there is this life beyond the breath. Mm -hmm. The breath is what connects us to our body. And we know the body is going to die. The breath's going to die. But what is that, the doorway and the spas, uh, those pauses, where we are, even when we're not breathing? Mm. That is the mystery. That is what you call the, the soul, the consciousness, if you're receptive to that. Mm -hmm. If you're not, that's okay too. But it should make you curious. What is it? What is that? Mm -hmm. How are you there? Mm -hmm. without, pause, breathing. without breathing mm -hmm. well, you're not breathing mm -hmm. how are you you're still very much there and that's so for people i'd say this is an invitation to be curious to be courageous mm -hmm. to explore who you are this magnificent being that we are with these multitude of capabilities we are way more than our minds. We are way more than just this beehive buzzing with hearts constantly and driving us crazy. It's got a role to play. It's got a very important role to play, but we are overworking mm -hmm. our minds and not using the other capabilities that we've been given as gifts. That's my invitation. Thank you. you. Thank you, Niv. Beautiful invitation, and we uh, shall continue, I'm sure, in the future uh, with uh, uh, with that invitation as well. But thank you very much for being here today. It was a real pleasure uh, to talk to you about your journey. And, and again, thanks, and uh, I hope that everybody has a great day. Thank you so much, Anjana, and all the best for this uh, initiative. I'm so excited to see the uh, future journeys that we're going to learn about. And Thank you for inviting me and letting me share. Thank Mine you. Thank you.